Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Regenerative by Design podcast, where we will be getting to the root of health, climate, economics, and food. I am your host, Joni Kinwall-Moore. I'm an RN, an ethnobotanist, and the founder of Snacktivist Foods. Join me on this journey as we explore the ideas, stories, and personalities behind the regenerative food system movement. Food is the connection between people and planet. In a world where pandemics, climate change, and war have made us feel so disconnected and vulnerable, regenerative agriculture has become a powerful force for positive transformation and hope. Here, regenerative thought leaders share how agriculture and food design can create a more resilient system. Okay, so today we are going to focus on distributors as influencers, and I'm really excited about this conversation today because we have Laura McCord on the podcast with us. Welcome, Laura. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm just thrilled that you are joining us today. And Laura has a fantastic background. I love letting our guests share a little bit about their personal background, history, and what they're doing today professionally. But you work with Kehi. Um, Kehi is a company that I work with as well, a fantastic company. And if you're not familiar with Kehi, they are one of the most dominant forces in the natural organic, better for you food category. And if you've ever shopped at a health food store or you've in the healthy section of a grocery store, there's a very good chance that it was a Kehi truck that brought that product to you. So Laura, I would love for you to tell our audience a little bit about you and your background. Where are you from? Um, well, I'm currently living in Utah, but it's um, I've jumped around quite a bit. Throughout my career, I started my food career at an independent grocery store in Salt Lake City in 2001. And then my Kehi sales rep actually told me that Kehi was hiring. Um, so I started working at Kehi as a merchandiser. Then I became an account manager. And then in 2009, moved to Illinois where our corporate headquarters is. And I was a category manager there for the majority of my time. And then back in 2020, moved to Utah again, and went back to school, received my degree in sustainable management, and um, my current title is sustainability and corporate responsibility. That's fantastic. I um, love that you're a kind of a Northwesterner. I, I didn't realize that until I did a little snooping into your background, and um, I love Utah. That is one of the most fantastic states in the country, and I'm sure you enjoy getting out and about and exploring it. Are you an avid outdoors person, or are you more of an indoor kind of a girl? Oh, I love hiking, and we are literally like five minutes from Valentine's Peak, which is an awesome hike. And uh, from my backyard, I can see the mountains. And for about a year, we actually lived off grid in the mountains. Wow. Um, and then I realized, ooh, not quite what I anticipated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lesson learned. So yeah. now we're at the base of the mountain, but definitely love being outdoors, even if I'm just sitting outside reading. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, anything I could do outside. That's so cool. I don't meet very many people who have lived off grid before. And I lived off grid for a while as well. And it's an enchanting concept, but it's a lot of work. I don't think people fully understand the the daily responsibilities that go into living off grid. 
Absolutely. Chopping your own firewood. Yeah. And uh, when you wake up, your house is 40 degrees. Isn't as much fun as you think it's going to (laughs) be. Right, right. It's so true. Well, you know, there's a lot to talk about today. And the focus of my podcast, as you know, is regenerative and this emergence of this regenerative concept in the food system. And what was your initial introduction to regenerative agriculture or regenerative food systems in general? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd probably say there's two trips that stand out in my mind. Um, The first one was in Honduras. I went to a coffee farm and I had asked them if they practice organic farming. And they kind of chuckled and said, we couldn't afford fertilizer if we wanted it. So um, that was the first eye opening. So when they extract the coffee bean, there's a cherry is what they call it, like the fruit. Mm -hmm. So they Mm -hmm. use that to build back into the soil. So that was one example. And then another, um, it was several years ago at Expo West, they had a tour that went to Apricot Lane Farms, uh, which is from the documentary Biggest Little Farm. And it was such a cool experience to see how they integrate the animals and the livestock with the farming practices. And, you know, they had a problem with, you know, mice and they bring in an owl, you know, they're That's cool. looking at how to compost and, and use the nutrients from that as their fertilizer for their, their produce. Mm-hmm. So it was just fascinating to see how they were working with nature, mm-hmm. how nature intended um, for their farm. Yeah, it's really inspirational because it's such a holistic model. And when you see it in action, it makes so much sense. It's so intuitive. But it, then when we step back and look at all the other systems that we have in our world today, um, most are not functioning in that regenerative model or that holistic model. So, you know, today, one of the things I wanted us to talk about is the role of distributors as influencers, because, you know, at the end of the day, we live in a food system where most of us get our food from the grocery store. Even if you, you know, have an amazing garden and you live where you're kind of more of the <clears throat> farmer's market subsistence kind of person, chances are you do make it to the grocery store to buy things. And distributors play an incredible role in dictating what foods are available to consumers at the grocery stores. And I hadn't really fully appreciated how important it was until I started a CPG company and then had a discussion with a, a gentleman by the name of John Kemp, who is a formidable leader in the regenerative agriculture movement. And I asked him, you know, one, what he thought one of the most important links in the chain was to get regenerative to consumers. And he said, distributors, I feel like we should really focus on distributors and make them allies to our movement. And that was, that was really profound to me. So, you know, quick question for you, when it comes to category creation, you know, distributors really are this force that helps create categories. And Kehi has been instrumental in bringing forth, you know, awareness and an availability of fair trade, organic, um, B Corp um, philosophy to the shelves. How, what is Kehi doing to facilitate access to regenerative brands today? Yeah, so our category management team is constantly looking for new, innovative products. So whether it's at Expo West, we partner with Range Me to do different campaigns, as well as obviously just brands reaching out to us. and you see the trends and they know that we're kind of the tail at the grocery store, right? We are carrying those really unique items that differentiate themselves from their competitors. So regenerative ag is just another 
attribute that we're looking at to differentiate those products on the shelf. So we're constantly looking for that and seeing how it fits within our product portfolio today and and how to grow that. And our responsibility is really bringing those items to the forefront to our retailers so they can answer the need of the consumers. Right, right. Ultimately, the consumers are what drive this whole engine. Um, But with regenerative, there is a bit of a learning curve. I think that the lack of a, um, you know, real consistent labeling or a certification program and also just being a nascent movement. I mean, it's been around forever. Of course, like you said, your example in Honduras, it's, it's not a brand new way of farming by any means, but I think that there's still a lot of um, education that needs to be done to consumers to really understand what regenerative is. What are you seeing in the marketplace right now with that? Right now, I am seeing some confusion because there's regenerative ag and then there's regenerative organic ag. And for me, I like the regenerative organic ag because it seems like it's the next evolution of organic, Mm -hmm. whereas regenerative ag is still very, very important and beneficial. But if you're using synthetic fertilizers and you're still using the chemicals, it doesn't seem like it jives with Mm -hmm. the actual process. Now, either one is better than, you know, conventional farming that uses neither practice. So I don't want to dismiss either one of them. They're both fantastic. But I also see it a little bit like organic versus non-GMO. You know, if you're organic, you are non-GMO. But the marketing didn't translate to the consumer. So now we have another movement, another label for non-GMO out there. And and maybe suppliers pick it because it's less expensive or it's easier to get that certification than to get an organic certification. But it still just causes a little bit of confusion. And I think that's where we're going to sit with regenerative versus regenerative organic. Yeah, I think you're hitting on a very important point there because... Um, when I'm out talking to people, even people who are very knowledgeable in the space, say, for instance, they manage a, a health food store, you know, so they really live and breathe this industry. I'm still coming across a rub point, especially when it comes to or- the differentiation between organic, regenerative and regenerative organic. And I've, um, you know, had had some pretty interesting discussions with Rodale and people who are on the regenerative organic front. And the challenges that we're up against, because there isn't a ton available yet in that certification supply chain to where it's hard to find certified regenerative organic supply chains in order to take products to market. So as this whole world comes together, I feel like there's just going to be a lot of consumer education that's going to be needed to to really bring people into that experience, that it's a continuum. And like you said, I love, it's like conventional farming does need to come it needs to it needs to come to a reckoning period um and regenerative is certainly a pathway to a better way of farming but um do you guys at kahi recognize any programs that are just solely focused on regenerative or are you more focused on the regenerative organic certification right now so in our system we're able to capture claims made by a company versus certifications so we will go by either one Personally, I'm always a fan of certifications. 
just because even as a consumer, you know, there's a difference between saying that I'm natural versus I went through the certification process to be organic. And that's similar to our B Corp, right? I could say that we're a good company or I could have a third party validate that we are who we say we are. So on a personal level, I prefer a certification versus a claim as a consumer. I feel like I would lean more towards a certification than a claim because it just muddies the water and you don't really know what those clear definitions are. Mm-hmm. But Kehi overall will take both. Okay. That's great. Well, there are luckily some certifications coming to the market for regenerative right now, which is wonderful to see. When you're talking to your customers, your stores and your buyers, what kind of requests are you getting from them, you know, surrounding regenerative or regenerative organic? Are you getting requests for certain categories more than others? So unfortunately, I don't work with the retailers anymore, so I mm-hmm. couldn't answer that one specifically. Um, but I will tell you that information goes both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Either they're requesting from us or we are educating them and providing them with the information. Because just having a certification doesn't mean your product tastes good, that you have the right promotions, pricing strategy, and so forth. So it's just one aspect of how you differentiate yourself in the marketplace. So depending on what their needs are, we will offer up suggestions of what we think best fits the retailer based on their demographics, how they go to market, and so forth. So your more educated retailers are probably on the bandwagon and your less ones are still asking what organic is, right? Right, right. Yeah, there's so much continuous education that needs to to happen on so many layers of our system, like from consumers all the way through. And I love that Kehi has really taken a stance in, you know, really providing some clear guidelines um, for consumers and, um, you know, strategic partners, both. And one of the things I wanted you to tell us about today is the Ecotrade program at Kehi. Now, I know that Ecotrade, as far as I understand, it doesn't have much of a focus on regenerative, but it certainly leans hard into climate impact um, food systems in general. And one of the things that is driving a lot of consumer awareness around regenerative is its role in combating climate change. Now, obviously, it's one little spoke in the wheel and fossil fuels, refrigerants, all of those things are are a big, big deal when it comes to footprint um, surrounding our food system. Could you tell us a little bit about the Ecotrade um, program? Yeah, first, I just want to thank you for recognizing that there are multiple levers that people can pull. And we don't have to wait for the silver bullet. Everybody should be taking, you know, whatever steps they can, whichever lever they can pull to make a difference. And you know, carbon sequestration from regenerative ag is definitely important, you know, part of the overall strategy. For us with Ecotrade, we are really trying to foster a race to the top. So, you know, the highest level that people can achieve would be like a net zero, science-based target, carbon neutral. And that's what we're focused on. Companies that have made a commitment to address their scope one, two, and three emissions in a holistic way, not just one avenue within the broader scheme. And I I know for some people that's a little hard because they want their recycled packaging or their renewable energy. But for us, we're trying to look at like the biggest of the big commitments. Well, that makes sense because when you look at what your 
tangible action points are as a company, um, you kind of have to be selective to start if you want to be effective. Um, you know, where can we make the biggest difference this year? Um, and that's different for every company. And I think considering the footprint of KHE with the trucking and the distribution realities, I think that you guys have focused on some really good good um, items as far as action items to make a difference. Um, as far as having brands join the Ecotrade program, could you tell our listeners a little bit about how that works, like how you partner with your brands? Yeah, so brands would upload their certification or their public commitment into our system, and then they would be added into the program. And we're anticipating a relatively small group this first year. I think right now we're at 10. We just launched it in March, right? So this shouldn't be a program that everybody qualifies for. Mm -hmm. We want it to be elite. Um, But obviously we're hoping that brands, let's say that our regenerative ag, see this as something to aspire to, and maybe that they will join and make a net zero commitment or science-based target, and that we will grow this movement over time. Right. Science-based target. I like that word. I'm going to write that down because it gives it it gives a quantitative element where frequently it's so easy to fall into the qualitative side of saying what you're all about as a brand or a company when it comes to environmental impact. So I think that's a great term. Clearly, you know, Kehi has given a lot of um, attention to design thinking. And, you know, I th- one of the goals of this podcast is I want people to think about how we can be deliberate in how we think about systems. And it's a design thinking discipline, essentially. And when you overlay the concept of regenerative on a design system, really amazing things can happen. Um, And I wanted you to just talk a little bit about what you're doing to, you know, be very intentional in developing a resilient food system from the role of a distributor. And, you know, clearly Ecotrade is part of that, but what other things are you doing as a company that are, you know, trying to help us combat these significant challenges from climate to soil health to, you know, general, you know, poor health in the public? Yeah. So we do sit in an interesting position because we aren't the brand. So we aren't making ingredient choices or how we pay farmers or anything like that. So our role is really influencing the the brand so that maybe we wouldn't select that brand because they're not shade grown or because they're not fair trade and influencing them in that manner. Maybe their packaging is styrofoam or something. So we're trying to influence the brands with what the consumers are looking for, what our retailers are looking for within the space that we play in. We try, um, I know it's not necessarily regenerative ag, but B Corp. We try to highlight as many B Corps that we work with. We work mm-hmm. with over 100 because they follow that regenerative economic system that is looking for what's best for all. So we, we try to do our part in that way. Right, right. It's I, I do like that you have your organization has been really deliberate about um, you know implementing B Corp ethics because it is a holistic picture. Um, my company is a B Corp, but we're not certified yet, and it is an interesting process just even doing the pre tests right now and how deep the layers go. I mean, it's you can't 
do shoddy work when you're running a business and actually think about being a certified B Corp. There are just so many layers that- You can't fake it. You cannot fake it. Yeah, it's really, really um, a rigorous process. So um, I I think it's great that, that Kehi has taken that on as a corporate commitment. Now, you know, as far as action items, I think with regenerative, I think with everything having to do with conscientious consumerism, climate change, um, you know, there's just so many things that cause people to be um, kind of disenfranchised in this day and age. Um, They feel like there's not a lot of action items that they can do. So they just throw up their hands. They're like, well, I don't know what I can do to help climate change. So I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and not worry about it. What are some of the action items that you see from your perspective that consumers can do to help them be involved in making a difference? I think consumers have more power than they realize because brands respond to the consumer's demands, right? So if more consumers are demanding a sustainable solution, the brands are going to respond because that's how they're going to make their money. So the very easiest, the basic thing, excuse me, that they can do is just shop for brands that align with their values, right? Um, If I have to pay an extra 10 or 20 cents for a fair trade item, what is 10 or 20 cents to me? Mm-hmm. Really not much. Mm-hmm. But having visited a fair trade farm in Kenya and seeing the difference that it made in the lives of the farmers there, I'm going to pay the 20 cents. Right. Right. And that's going to build the business, build the momentum for that brand. So, first, shop with your values. Make sure you're a model at home, right? Most utility companies have an option where you can buy green energy. Right. You might not be able to afford solar on your roof, but you can support the programs there. And that's, again, showing the utility providers that there's a demand for this and they're going to support that demand. Mm -hmm. You can eat less meat. I'm not saying that everybody has to become a vegan, Mm -hmm. but if you normally are eating beef six times a week, could you go to five? Right. You know, sometimes um, it's the little the little things that when you add it up with millions and millions of people can make a tremendous footprint and um you know industrialized meat farming is is a you know a pretty nasty business i even you know ranchers that i know that are obviously never going to go vegan one thing that i've always said we can all unite behind regenerative ranchers and the vegans is the fact that kfos and um you know the ins- the heavily factory farming practices that involve animals need to go uh, we need to move forward in the world and 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 look at better things. And it, essentially, consumers are like investors in that sense. Um, you think about that extra five to ten cents. You know, it is an investment in trying to make the system different. And I think people underestimate that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really Absolutely. cool. So as far as hope goes, um, I. I'm a big believer in what the future can hold. And, you know, we, you know, you talk about that disenfranchisement that is happening at large in the population. People feel very disconnected. Um, in this day and age, I actually feel very hopeful for the future, probably because of the work that I do. I literally spend every day talking to farmers that are doing incredible things, um, thought leaders around the world that are spending their lives trying to make a difference and make the world a better place. What gives you hope for the future? What are the main things? You know, 
I'd be lying if I said I was hopeful every day. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a grind at times. And and sometimes just the negativity that's out there can be a little overwhelming. So I want to recognize that, you mm-hmm. know, if if people are feeling it. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I do have more hopeful days than um than sad ones. And I think for me, it's always reflecting back, actually. You know, where were we and where are we today? Mm-hmm. I mean, Prior to 2015, we were not a B Corp and we still are. You know, I've had my position now for two years. Prior to that, it did not exist. So that's progress. Yeah. So sometimes it's seeing, you know, where we were, where we are today, the progress we've made, knowing that when I set a goal for myself in the future, I have a high likelihood of getting there because Mm -hmm. of my past track, track record. So that to me brings me some hope. I think also talking to some of these brands that I get to meet and what they're doing. We have another program called Care Trade, which are mission-based brands. So hearing how they're impacting the world gives me hope. Meeting with these brands around eco-trade brings me hope. I think just being in our natural food space is hopeful because there's so much imagination out there. There's so much ingenuity everybody wants to help each other and strive for better that you can't help but get sucked up into that and and ride the wave with them. Yeah, I agree. It's a very exciting space to be in. And in some ways, I always think, gosh, being in the natural, better for you, like the nosh world, there's so much innovation and it's almost like limitless thinking that it's, to me, epitomizes a lot of what the American dream is all about. Is like absolutely. We really see that we could do this better, and we're going to do it. <laughs> and it's it's a very exciting process and very inspirational to be around everybody like you, who is you know working every day to make you know make our world a better place and create this impact through food systems, which is you know profoundly affects everybody. Uh, food is the one thing in the world that truly affects everyone. No one is immune to it. So, I I thank you for sharing that with us and. You know, just to close things up today, because um, this is a, a shorter podcast interview, um, if people want to learn more about what you're doing, what Kehi is doing for sustainability, where are the best places for them to follow up? Maybe like subscribe to a newsletter or find you on LinkedIn. What, what would you recommend people do if they want to learn more? So to be honest, I'm terrible at keeping my LinkedIn up to date, but you can definitely find me there. You can also follow Kehi. They do a much better job at showcasing everything that we are involved in. Well, then honestly, you're welcome just to email me, laura.mccord at kehi.com. Happy to chat with, with anyone and see how I can help. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And Laura, I, I just really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I'm, I'm sure you're incredibly busy and this is such an important topic. So I'm glad that we were able to give you a conduit to tell the world what you're working on there at Kehi and what you're doing to make this world a better place. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great one. You too. Thank you for joining us on the Regenerative by Design podcast. If you would like to learn more about the principles of regenerative food systems and agriculture, please see the show notes for links to education, a glossary, and guest information. This podcast was brought to you by Snacktivist Inc., a leader in the regenerative food industry. We create delicious foods from regenerative ingredients that are soil-focused, minimize water use, and maximize carbon sequestration. 
all while radically impacting human nutrition. Learn more about our work at snacktivistfoods.com.